Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sportsish with Elisa Hernandez. This week we have Jonathan Clark, who is internationally known as Jay Clark the Jumper. That's how you can find him on all of his social media platforms. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on Sportsish. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. You look all grown up because <laughs> when we when we met, it was back in I want to say like 2012 or 2013. I and 2013. 2013, right? Okay, so that was that was a minute ago. And yeah. for those of you that don't know our past life, we used to work at a call center. Well, I used to work at a call center. I, I was promoted. Yeah, I was promoted to supervisor. Jonathan Clark came in from UCLA, tried to come into our turf at USC to show us how to raise some money. Like, I'm sorry, what? But that's how we met. And the last thing I thought you were going to be in five years was a professional dunker. So how did that come about? Especially, like I said, you were running things at a call center and now you're running things in France. Got you. So um, it, it's actually kind of funny when you when we met at the time, I wouldn't have thought I was a professional dunker. Like right when we met was kind of when I had kind of made the decision. So in 2012, um, I went for the Olympic trials for track and field, uh, triple jump, didn't make the team, was kind of devastated. I had worked, you know, my entire life was based on this identity of being an athlete, being mm-hmm. this, you know, all of the success was was tied into, you know, my identity. And that kind of all came crashing when I didn't make the team because that was kind of, you know, the next logical step. And after that mm-hmm. didn't happen, I was kind of like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to get a full-time job. <laughs> I had been working for Ruffalo Cody, which is the uh, the call center at UCLA. <laughs> oh, God. I got, like, of- PT- I got like PTSD <laughs> when you said that. I'm like, oh, Ruffalo Cody. Like, ah. <laughs> So, so I, I had been working. I had been working at the call center um, in college, um, and I started. You know, I became a supervisor when I graduated, focusing on you know making the team. So it really worked out because I could train in the mornings, go to work um, in the evenings, and you know it was it was a nice little balance. So after that, I kind of decided like, well, I already have this. I have this job. It's it's pretty decent, and they wanted to promote me. Um, to you know oversee my own program so um initially i had to start training sc was sc was where i trained uh it was it that's was, it was right kinda... you, co- you come to sc to yeah. train because we we raise champions over here just so you know it was, it was definitely interesting going into the enemy territory uh, mm-hmm. uh but it was it was fun um it was it was a it was an awesome group it was a, it was a really cool group of uh students and, and it was a, it was a great experience so i was excited about going into you know the workforce i was like i'm doing the nine to five thing i'm I'm not doing sports um but so i get to fresno because I, I i um the call center i got was fresno state i get to fresno i get my apartment set up i get you know i finally get situated i got my locations of what i do my day-to-day mm-hmm. I, was, I was out there by myself and i found Damn, you got you got you got sent to fresno yeah. You you so remember I, I, what happened in Fresno though, right? No, nah, what happened? Reggie Bush had like oh, no, five hundred. Oh, so you're, you're talking about you're talking about you're I'm not even thinking about you guys right now. <laughs> yeah, you so, got your I did see you got your master's from Fresno Pacific University. Yes. Is that where the call center was? No, so the 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 call center was Fresno State. 
Okay. Um, so it, it, it's very interesting how it like, cause I ended up leaving um, mm-hmm. and coming back to LA to come back to Fresno. So um, it, one of the main reasons Fresno was an option, I think there was a, I want to say it was like Colorado was, I forget the other school, but my girlfriend at the time was from Fresno. So at least oh. I knew I would know somebody up there. So I chose okay. Fresno, but then she got into a master's program in LA. So she <laughs> stayed in LA. I was in Fresno. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not really doing anything, but just working. And then I started, mm-hmm. I go, I start going to the gym, start running, start training. And more and more, I find myself like training intensely. And I, and I don't know why. And it, it kind of came to a, like this epitome, like it was one night, it was three o'clock in the morning and I was getting after it and I didn't know what I was training for. Mm. And I had this conversation with my coach after I uh, come back. I think I came back on a break or something like that. And we were talking and he was like, oh, so when are you going to start training again? I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done. I'm have a full time job. I'm, I'm good with that. He's like, all right, I'll see you. I'll see you in a few months. And I kind of thought back to that conversation when I was like in the gym working really hard. And I was like, OK, mm. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to make this comeback. So. I decided I, I was going to, I came back to LA, start training for track and field again. And, you know, this time I, I kind of came back. I was, I was looking for, for different work. So I was coaching, training, and I got a gym membership at LA Fitness just to uh, stay in shape because I didn't have access to, you know, UCLA stuff anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm a has-been. Dang, so, that's cool. I'm in, I'm in LA Fitness, and you know I'm, I'm in there to go lift, and I see everyone's playing basketball. So I was like, oh, let me let me go hop in there and, and and run up and down the court a little bit. So I start playing, and then after the game, everyone's like trying to dunk, and mm-hmm. no one's making dunks. And I was like, oh no, you guys, I got this. So I start doing <laughs> I start doing dunks, and you know I'm starting to have fun with it. And right around this time, you know this is 2013, so Instagram created this new feature that you can post videos to your 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 instagram so i I was definitely you know that old where (laughs) instagram at first was just pictures but um yeah so i um so i start posting videos and people really start to like the videos the dunk videos are doing really well like let's say i I post a picture of like my family it'll get like 100 likes but i post the dunk video you know it get like it gets 500 likes i'm like wow okay so people like this so i started doing it more and more I started having fun with it more and more, and um, that even got catapulted to another level when I was trying a dunk. I was working on a dunk before track practice, and I got mad that I had to leave the gym to go to track practice. And at that mm. point, when that like when I'm dry, when I was driving from because I I went to LA Fitness in Sherman Oaks, from Sherman Oaks to Westwood. I decided like not, there there has to be something more with this dunking thing because I, I really like it. And that summer I got invited to my first dunk contest. And as you can say, like the rest is history. Yeah, to say the least. First of all, I have to say, did you ever think that you would go from Fresno to France? I'm a I'm a I'm a dreamer. So mm. yes, but that's I, I I think big all the time. When I look back at the entire path of what I've done, I'm like you, you couldn't write this story, and, and, and I'm truly blessed to get the opportunities that I get. Um, yeah. Even you know, as I get older, and you know, think that my time is is up, I, I kind of keep getting pulled back in, and you know, experiencing other cool opportunities. Every time you try to leave, something keeps pulling you back. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the main thing that I 
got from what you said is something really interesting. You said that you kind of lost your identity when you didn't go into the Olympic trials. Was being an Olympic athlete something you wanted to do or was that just something you thought was just part of that process when you're being an athlete? So a, a combination of both. More than anything, it was it was definitely a dream and a goal. So when I when I fallen, you know, head over heels for track and field. And that was kind of like, you know, 17 year old Jonathan, you know, being at home watching YouTube videos of, you know, Olympic athletes doing their thing like that. I I always had the dream that it was going to be me one day, you know, wearing the red, white, and blue, um, you know, representing America, standing on the, on the podium, getting my gold medal, crying Mm. because I just broke the world record. So it's like, (laughs) I have this, I just, you know, this big dream. So yeah. Uh, it was it was always a a dream, but I had always trained that if I trained as hard as I can, it would be an expectation one day. Um, so it was one of those things that I kind of thought that it would just happen. Um, and I and I learned the hard way that you know even if you work hard and do everything right, sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't go your way, and you got to be able to roll with the punches and you know make the best of every scenario. How did you handle that identity? I guess crisis in a way you said that you went to Fresno, you kind of decided like, look, I guess I'm just going to be a corporate guy and take care of what I need to take care of, pay these bills. I know that you said the training kind of lit that light for you to be like, Whoa, I need something better. But how did you kind of transition and decide like, I'm going to leave this very safe space of paying my bills and doing the to go into something that I don't even know where it's going to take me, but I know that I love it. Yeah. I think for me, and growing up, you know, growing up South Central Los Angeles, not having much and getting to that safe place. Like for me, if, if I had lived in my apartment and did that for the rest of my life, I would have viewed that as happily ever after. You know, growing mm-hmm. up the way I grew up, you know, you don't you, you learn to appreciate the things that you have. So it was it was nice um, getting to that point. I was confident and, you know, I'm confident in myself that I knew you know, pursue this, this sport thing, because it's not forever. You can always get another job. You can always work and come back to that lifestyle. You're never going to have your, you know, 26 year old legs again. Um, So make the, make the best of that. So for me, and then, you know, having the support system of my family, my mom has always been kind of in my corner. She's always been like my number one fan. Um, So like when I, when I kind of started, you know, making the decision, she was all for it. Um, and, and she kind of believed that I should have never even given up in, in the, the 2012, 2013 space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just at the time I was a little bit hurt and I kind of made a, an impulsive decision to kind of walk away, albeit it was a little premature. I think it was kind of a nice little just mental break from being in the sports world. So I kind of just, it was kind of something that was needed. Um, so I didn't, I didn't view it as like, going away from something safe to scary was more so taking a break from my, I guess, already scary, if you will, life um, for a safe pause, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Sometimes we do need to step away from things almost to get that fresh eyes on it and kind of see yeah. like, okay, so this is, this is really what I want to do, or this is something that I, I really want to invest my time in. Do you think had you not left track, you would have found dunking or do you think you would have just kind of fell into maybe just staying a coach in track and just staying kind of in that realm? I think, um, and it's funny cause I, I've thought about this before, like what would have <laughs> happened had I never given up? And I, and I kind of see trends of some similar athletes at my, my caliber. A lot of them kind of ended up having that plateau and br- or breaking that plateau and getting to the next level. 
And I think had I kept going, I, I there was a strong chance that I could have broken through and, and, you know, made, you know, at least the world championship team, been able to travel for Team USA, um, made a little coin, you know, <laughs> as, as a professional. So I signed a professional contract uh, in 2012. Oh, snap. And I never got invited to any meets. So <laughs> it, was, it, was kind of a, it was kind of a cool, it was a bittersweet moment because, yeah. you know, that summer, you know, I was walking around like, oh, I'm a professional athlete, but never got any opportunities. I think had I had I stuck with it, I would have gotten the opportunities. I would have been able to kind of, you know, experience that life. Um, I definitely would have been at the college level of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in terms of where I'm at now and, and kind of how I'm set up, I would have never gotten to this level because I think certain things had to uh, unfold for me to find, um, you know, when I started substitute teaching in grad school, I, I really found out that I loved teaching and I would have never discovered that in LA because I don't think I would have pursued being a teacher. I would have just, you know, my job that I ended up with, I was coaching kids and training kids and it was, it was for really affluent families. So it, covered the bills and I would have been comfortable and I would have just stuck with that. And kind of, I think, you know, things had to happen for me to, you know, push me in certain directions to get to where I'm at now. So we're going to get back to the dunking thing, but you brought up teaching. So I'm going to run it down. You okay. are a professional dunker, a yes. coach, a motivator, and then you're a science teacher. <laughs> like so, how did, how did you just, de- well, first, how did you decide that you really wanted to pursue teaching as well? And why science? And okay. I have some other questions, but we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I am not a science teacher anymore. Oh, well, okay. I, I am a science teacher. I, I like to always think I'm a science teacher, but <laughs> I'm currently teaching uh, PE and coaching track. I, I switched schools. Um, okay. So I was at Granite Ridge Intermediate. I was coaching at... Um, so in Fresno, there's this school... Um, Clovis North Educational Center. And it, mm-hmm. it's comprised of Granite Ridge Intermediate, which is a middle school, and Clovis North High School, which is the high school. So okay. I was teaching at the middle school level and I was coaching at the high school level. Because okay. the schools are on the same campus, I was able to do that. Um, I was teaching eighth grade science and coaching high school track. Um, but last year, um, a job opened up at my wife's school, at Bullard High School, um, oh, for nice. PE. Um, and track coach and it was the head track position so I applied <laughs> for it I got it so now I am a head track coach and I'm teaching PE at Bullard High School but um I oh, think congratulations initially, thank you thank you <laughs> initially what it was so when I when I started my teaching credential I went in um, physical education that's what I did my master's degree in kinesiology with an emphasis in uh, physical education I wanted to coach and teach track and field at, at the college level. Um, initially, that was kind of the mindset. And um, I ended up, once I started doing my student teaching, I, like I said, I, I was in grad school. I started substitute teaching to kind of pay the bills. I found out I really loved it. So right as I graduated, I immediately applied to my teaching, uh, applied to go back to school for my teaching credential. Mm. And when I did, I was kind of working at a school that I was formally teaching at. I was doing my student teaching and coaching track there. And I was talking to the AD and he was kind of saying, like, if I wanted to get a full time teaching job, I should probably get another subject to be credentialed in. And I was one class short of science being I was a psych major <laughs> at UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I, I went online and took a science. It was an online biology class. I took it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I took the CSATs and then, um, so then I, I went in uh, dual credentials. So PE and science. Um, mm. And then right as I got it, a position opened up at the school because one of the science teachers retired and it was, it was, it was kind of just like, it just worked perfectly, you know? So, so I got the science job and um, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed teaching science for the, the three, four year, three and a half COVID kind of, I'll count that as a half year. Yeah. Um, the three and a half years, it was fun. Um, I, I really got to show students that you can be an athlete and you can also have passions in other things and, and, you know, explore learn uh you know i was i was a teacher you know i i tried to be like i wanted to be like the black mr uh miss frizzle if you will so like we would go, <laughs> you know i'd take them outside and we'd like you know we'd, we'd go do fun stuff so um i really enjoyed it um i think right now with this new position it allows me to focus on the coaching track um aspect of the education um it's not as you know academically rigorous if you will, in terms of teaching, but, you know, it, it really allows me to t- step into the motivational piece of it, the, the deeper level athletics. So now I get to like, you know, teach my kids about nutrition, um, hydration, all the, all the things that make you a great athlete on top of like the motivational stuff that I enjoy doing. So, um, it's, it's always teaching. Um, the subject is a little bit different. <laughs> Do you walk in and they know exactly who you are or they kind of think like, oh, this is a new teacher. We kind of punk them a little bit. And then you just dunk on them and give them detention. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of funny because occasionally there's always one or two students that know. Um, and then okay. after a while, then it kind of circulates. As much as I've grown kind of on the international level and on the social space, um, mm-hmm. I've kind of done the same thing within my city. So like I've been featured on the news a couple of times. And so like locally, like I won't say like I'm, I'm a big deal, but I, I like a lot of kids have seen like the, the news articles and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and schools, you know, always like to hype up their teachers when they get a chance. So they're always hyping, you know, Oh, that's a slam dunking teacher. So a lot of times I can't use that anymore <laughs> to get kids excited, but there's always one or two that don't know. And mm-hmm. they, they like to test me and, and I enjoy, you know, showing them, <laughs> if you will, um, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm about. So it's always fun. That's the athlete in you, for <laughs> sure. I saw one of the clips you posted on your Instagram and the caption was, would you rather get dunked on and get detention? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty sure you dunked on him in a suit. Like, oh, that's yeah. just, why, like that you just chose violence that day you were just disrespectful. Well, the, funny, the funny thing was before i started posting those videos i was adamant about not putting hoops in my classroom because i wanted mm. i wanted students to respect me for me as a teacher that's why in a lot of the videos there's they're you know suit and tie mm-hmm. i dress i dressed really professional because i wanted them to know that i'm here for school however for my birthday <laughs> you're like hold my, up one of my students bought me a hoop and, you know, Aww. just for fun, I post, I put it up and my, you know, my students, you know, of course, of course they're boys, um, you know, just, <laughs> just jabbing at me all day. Like, oh, you can't dunk on me. You can't dunk on me. And it was, a, it was a great day. Everybody was focused. Everyone was behaved. Everyone was doing their work. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to let them, you know, I'm going to let them have, we're going to have some fun today. So I, you know, you're I, like, I'm going to bless you today, guys. Yeah. I'm going to bless you today. <laughs> so the, I was like, the next time he says something, I'm going to call him out on it. So he did like within, within seconds, I was like, all right, get under the rim. 
And I told all my students, I was like, all right, now, since he wanted this, pull your cameras out. Let's let's make it fun. And it kind of it kind of went crazy. So after that, I, I just embraced it and just I like every kid wanted a chance to try to like block my my dunk. And I was like, fine, like, if you guys really want to you know, my, my next YouTube video, you guys can be. Has anybody ever blocked your dunk? In my classroom? No, I, I would say. <laughs> Without without creating like some sort of harm, I think one kid really like tried to like like tackle me. Uh, <laughs> we, we just kind of ran it back. I was like, no, that's a foul. And then we ran it back, and then it was a it was a different story. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So it's not like oh, if you block this shot, you get an A on your pop quiz. It's not that kind of classroom. Nah, well, I mean, I I wouldn't have a problem doing that because I know I wouldn't I wouldn't let them block me to get the uh. A. But. But no, I, I, they got to focus on school. School first and then everything else is just more so for fun. That's the competitive nature in you. You realize yeah. that, right? To see yeah. the hoop in your classroom and be like, you know what? I'm about to show them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned the fact that you want them to focus on school and you're, with this new job that you're in, you're able to teach them all the great things about being an athlete. You being in that position, being a two-time All-American, having the accomplishments that you had in track, what do you tell them about the importance of really fulfilling the title of being a student athlete it's it's everything i i think when when you're in college it's really fun being a student athlete it's one of the greatest experiences that you can have um getting to travel getting to you know walk around campus and have that kind of pedestal put on you but there's a lot of responsibility with that um so i i really try to stress you know building the proper habits at this early stage in high school when it's easy, when you have support, when you have your mom driving you places, when you don't have to make appointments and you don't have to do. So it's like really understanding that, you know, student athletes don't look, if you look at the word student comes first, at the end of the day, you're representing a university, you're representing an academic institution. And as much as like a USC or UCLA loves their athletics, Mm -hmm. academics comes first because that's school. And, and they will, there's always a more talented, more athletic person sitting right behind you that wants that same opportunity. So really just driving home that you can be, you know, the best athlete that you can be, but you also need to make sure that that school comes first and you're doing everything you need to in the classroom. Also, just when when you look at injury. So for me, I've torn my ACL. Um, I've torn my meniscus. I've had two knee surgeries. I'm I'm blessed to still be able to compete at the level that I compete. And if I were to break my leg, you know, stepping off the curve today and never dunk again in my life. I have a full-time job. I have skills, resources, uh, tools available at my disposal that will allow me to make sure that my family is okay for the rest of my life. I don't need dunking to pay my bills. Um, <laughs> it's really nice. It kind of helps out with the stuff in the background, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you, you want to be able to be in a position where you can enjoy life beyond your sport because one day it's going to, it's going to go away. Appreciate it while it's here, but really get the get the school the the tools that you need in school to set you up for life. So those that are listening to Sportsish on the podcast, the stuff behind him are a bunch of Jordans, <laughs> a bunch of accolades, degrees. I mean, he's just stunting on me because my background is just one poster. So <laughs> how many pairs of Jordans do you have, or how many pairs of shoes do you have? Mm, it is hard to say. One. I would say somewhere in the 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 50 60 range. It's not it's not a super crazy collection. It, it's it's 
it's starting to it's started to grow in the in the the years I've been a, a pro dunker. One of the mm-hmm. the perks of being a pro dunker occasionally, <laughs> companies will send you shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you know they're 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 collectible. Sometimes they're they're more on the performance side of things. And then just being a pro dunker, you know, I've I've spent my fair share of prize money on <laughs> you know some shoes that I've wanted and things like that yeah you get nice. to splurge you get to splurge it's all right it's all right dunk I'm champions and dunk you know being <laughs> a pro dunker like you said brings that kind of shoe collection so before we go back into that career path I wanted to ask you you just celebrated six years of being together with your beautiful wife Dana yes. and you guys have a son I did some digging on your Instagram okay. and <laughs> I saw that you guys would go to this annual banquet and you would Oh, cut no. off. Yes, yeah. you would cut off your name to the, the your last name on your name tag and put it on hers. Yeah. That is the cutest thing, <laughs> number one. But also, did you just know, like, yeah, that's my wife. It's just a wrap. Like, you're my well, wife. <laughs> it's 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 kind of funny. And this is this is like bad to say, um, if you will. So, going into UCLA, when when I got accepted, um, there was this event called Admit Weekend where they invited all the admits to uh, UCLA for the weekend so they could hopefully encourage as many of the kids that got in UCLA to come to UCLA. Because I know, uh, especially for UCLA, a lot of the kids that got in got into a lot of other great schools as well. One of my um, classmates who got in as well from high school got into UPenn, and that was oh, wow. his number one choice. And as I, I, UCLA was my number one choice. So when I got accepted, I knew that was like where I was going. I was trying to convince him to come uh, to UCLA with me. <laughs> so, I had a, so I had a friend to go. Um, so we, we were on campus, we're walking around and, and we're, everyone thinks they're cool, right? Cause you just got into UCLA. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, everyone's big fish in a small pond at their high school. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the track star too. So I'm like, yeah. I'm walking around big headed and I meet this girl. Um, at the time I had a girlfriend, but I kind of like, it like stopped me. Like I met her, she was like drop dead gorgeous. And we're talking <laughs> and she said she's on the track team. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to be on the track team. And then she starts asking me questions. And at the time I hadn't, I was not being recruited by UCLA. So mm. at the time I, you know, I'm just a regular student. She's like, Oh, who, who, who spoke out to you? And, and now she's like pulling my card. And I'm like, I basically, you know, I, I, I wasn't like, I was just honest. I was like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not being recruited. I'm just going to be on. I told her, I was like, I'm going to be on the track team. I will see you next year. And like, she was being kind of rude about it. And it, it was kind of funny. <laughs> but so long story short, I ended up getting recruited. I ended up signing my letter of intent, all that other good stuff. So like over the summer, I, I reached out to her via Facebook and I was like, what's up teammate? And you know, kind of, that's kind of what started. You hit her with the hey big head. (laughs) Yeah, that's what started. That's what started like the friendship. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was just a really down to earth girl, Um, and we kind of became you know best friends. And it 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 started off kind of as a joke, but I I I kind of liked the way it looked, right? So I would tear my name off, and you know my last name with her uh, first (laughs) name. It's like I like the way that looks, and you know I I basically manifested that to happen. so yeah, now we, we've celebrated six years of marriage. Um, we got married four years after we started dating. So that was our 10 year um, anniversary as well. And we just, uh, you know, we have a son, he's 18 months old um, and just, you know, excited about our family and, you know, every uh, the direction that we are going. I will say, I apologize to the ex-girlfriend if you just come about oh. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing good. I hope you're doing yes. good. Well, with your 
beautiful wife supporting you, you guys going to UCLA together, you guys being on this journey together, how has she supported you during this whole dunking process? And how do you even go to your wife and say, hey, honey, so um, I'm about to go do this. Yeah, <laughs> I need you with me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because like a lot of times when when I look at like the dunk wife, if you will, um, like the girls or the significant others, I would say that support the dunkers. A lot of times it's, it's blind support where I, I see a lot of them, like they're there, they're filming, they're doing all this, this crazy stuff. And surprisingly with my wife, I don't get that. Like she's not, she's, she's very down to earth. She's very real. And in a mm -hmm. sense, it's, it's been one of the, the, the biggest blessings in disguise because she supports me wholeheartedly, but she keeps it real. So like sometimes like I'll do a dunk and I'm like, oh, what do you think about that? And she's like, no, nah, like that's not it. And it's like, <laughs> it hurts because it's like one of those things where it's like, no, nah, you're supposed to be like, you're supposed to be team Jonathan all the way. And it's like, <laughs> no, nah, I don't like that. I like this one. And it's like, okay. And then I'll start working on this. And then, then mm -hmm. once I'm doing that dunk, she's like, okay, that one's good. Like you should do that one. So like one of the, it's funny because she told me when I first started dunking, she was like, you should triple jump and dunk. And I was like, that's stupid. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. And then like three years later, I end up doing the dunk and the dunk goes like viral, it, you know, millions yeah. of views and all this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, she looks at me like, you know, like I told you so, or like <laughs> she'll tell me to do, shoot something for YouTube. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, I'm not going to do it. And I shoot the video and it's like, one of my biggest viewed videos and i'm just like <laughs> so it's like she gives me she gives me the real she definitely guided me a lot with the the teaching pursuing teaching as well um because at the time when i was really kind of getting into dunking i was all in and it was one of those like i'm gonna make this work i'm gonna do this mm. and not that that was a bad option but i think having the the teaching as a career allows me to be a little bit more aggressive with kind of the things I do with dunking. So like when I went to Paris, um, I competed in the contest um, and going into the final round, I was tied for first place. I was in a position to win and mm. I could have played it safe and done a dunk that maybe guaranteed me the win or made me at least guaranteed me another dunk in a uh, overtime round. Or I could go uh, go risk it big and do something that I wanted to do. And go big or go home. <laughs> I, I decided to go big and go home and I lost. And mm. I was happy with that because I got to do what I wanted to do. Now, when I first started dunking, had I lost the contest, and, and in the past when I did lose contests, I would be I would be livid because I would basically take that that prize money or you know the, that experience or whatever and like that would be my livelihood. So mm. I think with, with the, the whole dunking thing, it allows me to kind of, it allows me to enjoy my trips a little bit more, allows me to kind of, it's, a, it's you know, in a sense, it's a glorified hobby because I get to do what I love to do um, and I don't necessarily have to do it for the money. Um, so it just, it makes it that much sweeter when I do win or when I do make money because it's like, oh, I get to go to Paris and, you know, I come back with more money than I left versus you know a lot of people you know, they're going to paris and they're out like a couple thousand dollars and it's like oh, i get to yeah. come back i get to come back with money in my pockets it's a really great experience and i think you know she was kind of the the catalyst for how i pursued the career every dreamer needs a realist i feel like that's the, that's the best way to say that and you were definitely a dreamer because you had the idea to propose to her on a cracker jack box yeah. <laughs> 
And so she said yes. And so now you guys have this amazing life together. You guys, like you said, you have a wonderful 18-month-year-old son. How has being a father changed your motivation and then made you want to, like you said, do things that make you happy and support your family, as well as show him that anything can be possible. Do the impossible is your hashtag. Yes, yes. Um, being a father has been, it's been amazing. Um, 1,000 times over, probably one of my greatest accomplishments is, you know, watching my son be born and kind of being in his life and watching him go through things. Um, <laughs> all the dunking stuff that I've done is, is cool, but it, it pales in comparison to kind of seeing you know, my son's face when I open up the door from a long day of work or when I go pick him up from daycare and just seeing his face. And now he's starting to speak. So it's like him saying Dada is like the coolest thing ever. So um, I've really enjoyed that this stage of my life. One of the things that I want to do as in my dunking career, if, if I can you know stay healthy and stay strong, is be good enough to compete when he's old enough to really understand what's going on. Mm. And, and I definitely want to take him somewhere, you know, exotic, cool, so that he can, like how you said, do the impossible. He can see that you can do that. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I am a teacher. He's going to know that I'm a teacher. He knows he's going to know I have a job, but I get to do this thing that I love because I dedicated myself to my craft and I worked at it. And I, I made all the little sacrifices so I can enjoy, you know, these benefits. Um, and it would be really cool to just win a contest when he's old enough to you know, <laughs> understand. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to say, like, that's my dad right there. Just did yes. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that day when he says that's my dad right there. Oh, that's obviously the dream. And that's amazing that you've been able to kind of build such a career for yourself in two completely different realms in terms of teaching, as well as being a pro dunker. That contest that took you to Paris, that took you to France, that had you stunting on IG in front of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> How did that come about? How did you get that opportunity? So this is actually the second time I've been to uh, Paris for this, the same contest. So the contest itself is the K54 um, and K54 is a massive street ball tournament in Paris. You know, it's an outdoor venue, five-on-five -five basketball, street ball style. Um, they crown a champion, and they have a dunk contest. They have a lot of shows. Um, it's put on by Brand Jordan, so usually they get, they get top-notch uh, performers. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, and it's, it, overall, it's an amazing experience. So three years ago, I got invited. And, and one of the big things, I think, just kind of reputation alone in the dunk community gets you some of the some of the bigger invites so if you're if you're you know valid if you will on instagram twitter youtube and then you get you get invited because a lot of times i'll invite you to other contests and you know people find out like if you're really that good or, or you're not <laughs> so so my reputation is kind of there so i got invited two years ago three years ago covid um <laughs> Uh, got invited Ruined three, everything. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, we don't count that year. Um, but I got invited three years ago. Competed, had a had a good performance, and then basically this year got invited, invited again. I got invited last minute. They actually were going to go with um, some other dunkers, and I was I was kind of lucky this year that um, one of the dunkers couldn't go, and and I was kind of next in line, and basically took advantage of the the opportunity again. Went to Paris on a whim, if you will. <laughs> And uh, came out came out in second place, so can't can't be mad at that. <laughs> What's the dunk that you did that didn't give you the win, but that you were happy that you at least attempted it? 
So that it was the double between the legs. Never been done in a contest. I've only done a, <laughs> I've only done it uh, one time. Um, I've done it a lot on on lower rims. Um, mm. I've been I've been practicing um, and all summer. I just been training and training to get it because my goal is to do it one day in a contest and and the dream is you know do it last dunk win the contest everyone goes crazy <laughs> and I, it, it was set up for that it was set up perfectly for that I, I was going into the final round I was like okay this is it this is the time and it just it didn't it didn't come together um, which is fine uh, one of the big things about the do the impossible movement is you got to believe and you got to you got to you know keep persisting even even through failure so I just look at this failure as a stepping stone to the next opportunity I go to Utah in one week where I will try it again. If it doesn't happen in Utah, I'll be in Texas the week after. If it doesn't happen then, I'll be in Vegas two weeks after that. So I got a lot of opportunities to try it, um, a lot of opportunities to um, get it done. But, you know, enjoying the journey as as I try. Definitely we'll see you on ESPN's Top 10 for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. So going into the hashtag do the impossible, you mentioned it a few times. You also are known as Jay Clark the jumper. Jumper meaning just using my passion to elevate realities. How important do those things tie into your life and your message that you have as an athlete first of all i gotta say you're killing it on on the research <laughs> side of things um espn uh, fox sports news like they they are sleeping on you right now because you're like <laughs> you're like hitting things like you, you mentioned some stuff i was like i forgot about it was like oh man that's crazy um, let them know let them know I, yeah i will um but yeah no um Jumper, just using my passion to elevate realities, that kind of came about with um, myself and my friend Hamilton Augustine uh, putting that together when we were driving to a kid's camp because we were kind of talking and I was talking about the dunk contest stuff. And um, if you guys don't know, I, I love traveling. I love doing dunk contests and stuff, but dunk contests aren't as fun as me going to a camp and speaking to kids and putting on a show for them. I like if I could just do that as a living, I would do that. So we kind of talked about that. It was like, man, you're just using your passion to elevate realities and really just motivating kids. So that was kind of how that kind of came about. And ever since we came up with that acronym, um, I've just been living that, you know, that idea and just making sure I'm 1000% authentic to that. Do the Impossible came about in my first dunk contest. I tried to do the, I tried to do the, the 360 double between the legs um, and I did it in warmups just to kind of get the crowd hyped. I knew I wasn't at a level to complete it, but I was close enough to make the, the crowd consider, is that even a possible dunk to do? And one of my friends ended up posting the attempt. And rather than getting the love that I thought I was going to get, I got destroyed in the comment section. <laughs> everyone was saying, why is he even trying that? That's impossible. He's just doing it for show. It's a, you know, everyone kept saying it was impossible. So like, mm -hmm. For 30 seconds, I doubted myself and I, I kind of beat myself up. And then I kind of like flipped the switch and I was like, nah, like that, you know, I embraced it. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna do the impossible. And, you know, ever since then, I've just been slowly but surely pushing closer and closer and closer. And, and you know, I've watched the needle uh, tilt, if you will, on, you know, the doubters to like, now I got people saying like, oh, he's going to do it tomorrow. Oh, he can do it right now. <laughs> and it's, so it's, it's kind of fun um, just seeing that you know, motivating one myself, but just motivating others to, you know, pursue, pursue their goals. I get a lot of DMs, but my favorite DMs are the ones that, you know, you inspired me to 
get into this because I watched how hard you uh, train or I watched your passion for this. So just using, you know, uh, jumper and do the impossible to motivate as many people to follow their dreams and not set limits and not, you know, put themselves in a box. You're definitely jumping out that box. I saw you like above the rim, like on an 11 inch, 11 inch rim. I think it was, it was like your head was still above that. <laughs> and that was just, you, you weren't even dunking. You were just jumping. What's the highest you've ever jumped? Okay. So, um, highest measurement I've touched 12 feet two inches, which gives me a running max of 48 inches. Um, and I've dunked on an 11 foot eight hoop, which is an outdoor world record this summer, hopefully, uh, next week when I travel to Utah, I can break those records. I'm, I'm going for, um, for a standing vert. I I've dunked, um, on a 10 foot 10 rim inch rim. Um, I want to go for 11 feet off vert and then, I want to make a run for the 12 foot, uh, 12 foot dunk. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that goes down in Utah. Um, so that'll be in two weeks at dunk camp or one week in dunk camp. It's coming up. That's see, do the impossible. That's where I'm at. Cause I feel like in every podcast, I always say like I'm five one, but like you guys are all really taller than me. And then you guys are <laughs> mentioning things that I'm like, bro, I can't even reach that. I can't even reach like the top shelf at the grocery store. Like, I have to just ask people like, um, Hook me up real quick. <laughs> so taking a trip back down memory lane, you brought this up earlier, but I'm going to read you your caption that you wrote back in okay. September 10th, 2014. Oh my gosh. You said, went in to check in on my quote knee sprain and my world came crashing down. Oh, wow. Torn ACL, dislocated knee, torn meniscus and PCL and LCL sprain out for six to eight months. It hasn't fully set considering I feel fine, but I know the severity of this injury. It sucks that I have to put the 360 double East Bay hashtag the impossible dunk on hold, but everything happens for a reason. That was over 350 weeks ago. Did you think that your setback would set you up for this type of major comeback? Part of me, no. Uh, uh, and a big part of me, no. I thought it was I thought it was done. Um but it was it was one of those things where I kind of had to fake it until I made it because doubt really started to set in at that point. I I thought it was over. I was kind of at my lowest point, and it was kind of you know it was you know it was kind of sad. It was kind of like game over, I, and I felt like I was starting to get to the finish line, and it kind of just nah. <laughs> but um, you know. I just took it day by day, uh, you know, watching a lot of motivational stuff and, and, and really tried to stay as positive as I could and not get too ahead of myself or not focus on things in the past. Really focus on that one moment at a time, one step at a time, you know, six, six months to the day. I think on that post, I was, you know, back competing. I was in a Globetrotter uniform um, that summer. I had made the uh, I tried out for the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> That's and, right. And I actually made the team, um, which was sad because I had to call I had to call the coaches. So they they sent me an email, told me I made the team, and I had to email them back and say, I tore my ACL. I'm out. Um, but they Ooh. told me they would wait for me. Um, so there was motivation to get back. I couldn't do things that I normally I couldn't I couldn't walk up a set of stairs. Um I couldn't I couldn't walk to the bathroom without being in agony. I couldn't lay down comfortably for 20 minutes. It was it was definitely, you know, rough. But being injured was probably one of the best things for my career because it showed me, one, this isn't permanent. Two, it made me appreciate every single moment that I have, whether it's training, whether it's dunking, whatever it is. I get to enjoy it because 
I know it's not permanent. So it just really puts a lot of perspective on how you approach the game, how you approach everything. So I enjoy, I enjoy a workout when it's like, oh, this is going to suck because at least I get to say I can do that workout versus not being able to do it. So, um, yeah, it, it's as weird as it sounds, it's getting injured was probably one of the best things for my dunk career. As an athlete, you're very in tune with your body. You thought it was a new sprain. At what point did you know hmm, this might be a little more serious? Did you think it could ever be as serious as it was? That's a lot of things that got messed up in your knee. There. Yeah. So the initial the initial injury when I first felt the contact of you know hitting the ground and hearing everything, it felt like you know my upper leg and my lower leg just disconnected, and I thought I broke my leg. So I didn't mm-hmm. think it was a dislocation at first. I really just I thought I broke my leg. Cause it just, I've never felt that pain before, but then I was able to get up. I was able to walk. Um, it didn't feel great. So I thought I was like, man, maybe that's just what a really bad sprain feels like. And I'm just a big baby. Um, <laughs> but I, at the time I was, uh, like I said, I was training kids and it was in the summertime. So it was really hot. So we got in the pool and I sat in the pool with the kids and I was sitting in the pool and my leg was floating as weird as it sounds. So like, the ACL, oh, wow. you know, it connects your upper leg to your lower leg. But when I got in the water, the, it didn't feel connected. It just felt like it was its own entity floating. And <laughs> at, like I, this was like a couple of days after I got my MRI. And at that point, I kind of knew something was bad. So when I got the MRI and, and the doctor drew blood, because um, there was a lot of fluid in my knee, he was like, we're going to we're going to release some of this fluid. What's going to release pressure? He was like, if there's blood, there's a strong chance that there's a tear. And without mm. without fail, the second he started to draw, it was, you know, blood was coming out. So he's like, there, there's a strong possibility that there's a tear. We don't know until we see the MRI. But I think he knew he had already known. I think um, my physical therapist knew when he kind of was doing the test. I think everybody knew, but they wanted to wait for the official word just to kind of keep my, you know, my sanity, keep me, keep me positive. But I kind of started to kind of know once I got in the water and and that happened, I was like, oh, this is not, this is not good. That, yeah. I hope you didn't freak the kids out because (laughs) as a kid, that would have, that would have freaked me out. Oh, you watched the light kind of just like. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So in 2014, this happens. In 2018, you come back. You set a bunch of goals for yourself. You posted on, I told you, I stalked you. So on Instagram, you posted that to just sit back and watch you work because you want to grace the cover of slam online. You want to sign a shoe contract. You want to get the dunk contest into the X games. You want to break a wide receiver and dunk on a 12 foot court, which you did mention not that long ago. And you want to continue to do the impossible. That is a lot of goals, which like you said, you are a dreamer. I want to know, are there athletes that motivate you to kind of have such a strong mentality. I know that you're a big Kobe guy. I know that you're a big Jordan guy and they have that similar mentality. Is Jonathan Clark that kind of guy as well? Definitely. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because even even to this day, like I really reflect on a lot of the works that Kobe would kind of instill in, you know, the Mamba mentality idea, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think when you when you look at what makes Kobe great, it was not that he was, you know, genetically blessed like a LeBron James to be a freak athlete. He's he definitely possesses the skills to be an NBA player, being tall, you know, having great jumping ability, having great yeah. speed and stuff like that. But what made him what Mamba mentality made him great was just his relentless work ethic. And that was something that I that, that anybody can possess. Like you don't have to 
be a freak athlete to be a good athlete if you're willing to work as hard as humanly possible to make your dreams come true. And that's kind of, you know, something that I definitely feel like I've embraced. Like if you if you call that the Mamba mentality, I definitely feel that I have the Mamba mentality where it's like, I'm not the best um, jumper. Uh, and, th- and that's, you know, that's evident. If I were the best jumper, I wouldn't be a pro dunker. I would be a track athlete. I would have competed in the Olympics. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the most talented basketball player because if I were, I wouldn't have been a track athlete. I would have played on my high school basketball <laughs> team and I would, I would have done pro basketball. Mm-hmm. But once I kind of found my thing and, and really started working at it and never started to let up, that's when I kind of was able to step into this realm of saying like, you know, I am one of the best dunkers in the world because you know, I work at it every single day. It's not, it's not something that I do. It's, you know, it's a part of who I am. It's embracing that, that wholeheartedly and really working at it and making the sacrifices needed to become the best that I can possibly be. We saw that in the last dance, which me and you both admitted we've seen multiple times (laughs) and just seeing Kobe's mentality and Jordan's mentality. And the fact that if you tell me, no, it's like, we just say, I took that personally. (laughs) And it's, I'm going to show you. One of the things that has really impressed me about your career that you've made on the court is the way you've been able to brand yourself. And the fact that you've taken social media by storm, you have over 318 followers on IG, you have 172,000 followers on TikTok, 1.8 million likes on TikTok. I think I have like a thousand likes, (laughs) Um, 40K, over 40K subscribers on YouTube, over 12,000 followers on Twitter. I know that you said that you noticed when you posted certain things that that's what would get the traction. But how did you kind of learn to market yourself and make yourself this brand of Jay Clark, the jumper, do the impossible? I think even early on, that's kind of where my wife kind of really kind of helped growing the the brand and, and making sure that if I were going to do it, having some some, you know, vision that, you know, I would enjoy what what the process would look like when I'm, you know, 50, 60 years old, because I think. You know, we all had, you know, social media too early. Um, I like I always get reminded on Facebook when, you know, 10 years ago you said this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I really put that like I really put that out on the Internet. Um, I, yeah. I really said that. And it's like, yeah, even thinking about the brand that I've, I've uh, tried to um, have now, you know, a very kid friendly approach. Like I was still you know, wilding in, in, in things that I said. So like, I think with, with, with the do the impossible with Jay Clark, the jumper with, with the, the, the whole idea, I just wanted to be real. I wanted to be authentic. Um, and I've, I've definitely gotten to a crossroads of like, wow, I'm watching people grow past those numbers as much as uh, you just said those numbers and they sound super cool. There's definitely, you know, like my peers, um, uh, have like millions of followers, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers and, you know, in the social media realm, it's business. Um, mm-hmm. Those numbers are business. So those, you know, hundreds of thousands convert to thousands and, you know, ten thousands of dollars um, of revenue that you can generate. Um, and, and I definitely w- obviously would love to have that and be able to support my family even further and my, you know, my shoe addiction. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I want to make sure that I'm doing it the right way. I, when I'm When I'm 50 years old, I want to look back and say like, yeah, I did. This is what I did. And I'm really proud of how it how it looks and how I represented myself. I didn't lie to any anybody. I didn't con anybody. Um, and just providing 
clean quality content that me as a 13 year old or as a 30 year old or as a 90 year old can enjoy love and, and, you know, fully support. Um, so there's definitely times when it's like, Oh man, I, I should do this cringy, you know, teacher goes to the hood and beats <laughs> trash talker. And it's like, um, it's just, it's not, that's not, that's not who I am. So yeah, just really focusing on, on producing honest quality content that everybody can enjoy. So going back to who you are, you are a track star deep through in your heart. You mentioned that track speed is different than regular speed. (laughs) And you actually created a dunk that combined your track life and your dunk life, which was the high jump dunk. And if you guys haven't seen it, definitely go check them out at Jay Clark, the jumper on all his social media handles. But you, I was pretty shocked. First of all, I didn't know what it was. Like I clicked the video and it was like, you know, high, high jump dunk. And I'm like, okay, he's just gonna jump really high. And then you literally like cleared the bar and dunked and slow motion. It was so dramatic. And I was like, what did I just watch? Like It was like watching Simone Biles do hers in oh, slow motion. Wow. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, let me run that back. Cause I need to see what just happened. Like, what did I just watch? Okay. Be honest. How many attempts did that take? Did that video take? So a, a number of attempts. I have no idea. I was out there for an hour. I was out there for one whole hour. It was, you know, if you, if you've never been to Fresno, California in the summertime, it was a hundred degrees outside. Um, most, I would say the first third, first 20 minutes was kind of like setting it up to make it make sense because okay. I've had the idea for a really long time and mm-hmm. I just kind of on a whim tried to make it happen. Um, the next 10, 20 minutes was just building the confidence to actually do everything. <laughs> um, and then once I started like getting the confidence, then it was only a matter of time. I think it took me, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15 attempts to get the actual six foot bar clearance with the slam dunk. Um, mm-hmm. I think within the first three attempts, like once I was confident, I made, I think the bar was initially set to like five, six um i'm six three five six is not that high um <laughs> yeah it for, says you <laughs> not that high for me to, to to jump but i wanted to i wanted to definitely make it challenging so i went to six feet right after that and and that took a couple of attempts but once i got it it was cool and then after that i i just wanted to have some fun and high jump a little bit so i i ended up jumping uh six six but i i wasn't ready to dunk the ball at six six yet. It needs a little bit more time, but I plan. I definitely plan on doing that dunk again because it was fun. Like you said, combining two things that I really love in in one you know one activity. <laughs> how how do you even come up with these ideas like of dunks? Because obviously dunking is not a new thing. It's been around forever. People yeah. in the NBA dunk contest try to figure out new ways, blowing out candles, jumping over cars. You really don't use a lot of props. You are primarily showing off your ability to just jump ridiculously high behind the back under the legs twice like behind your neck eyes closed over people like you you find so many ways to make one thing look so complicated yet so easy how do you decide like this dunk is the one that i want to try has anyone ever tried this um i think you know it's funny because a lot of dunkers will sit there and try to come up with different ideas and different styles of dunk and i think for me my inspiration i i watch a lot of sports uh not and I'm, i don't limit myself to any kind of sports i will watch ice skating i will watch i this summer i was watching 
I think ESPN had on the the cornhole um, association, the like national championships. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was hooked and I was watching. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So like being a sports fan, you know, I appreciate like the work that goes into every single craft. So if I could, you know, take an, a, a, an idea, a style from a different sport, a different activity and, and, and infuse it with what I do, I think it's kind of one, it's showing respect to the, the, the hard work and craft that they put in, but it's also just, you know, it's, it's, it enhances my sport because it's not limiting it to one thing. So, you know, like watching um, ice skating, um, there was this French ice skater, I think her name is Syria Bonalet, and she does a one-footed backflip. And then like, for me, I was like, I have a backflip dunk and I was just, you know, wheels turning. I was like, what if I did a one-foot backflip and dunked it? So it's like, that's something that's in the works that I, you know, a dunk that I've been working on and, you know, looking at Tony Hawk, doing a 900 the, the most spins that a dunk has ever done is 720 so it's like all right next up you know we got someone has to do the 900 dunk so it's like you just start thinking about how to push the pace of what what's already been done and you know for me it's it's looking outside the box and actually looking outside the box and into different other sport like parkour uh skateboarding um just anything that you know gymnastics um just finding different ways to incorporate other sports into you know, dunking and and just to make dunking that much better. Before I close out every show, I love to ask my guests, what is the best quotes or the best advice you've received in your career transitioning, whether it's as an athlete or as a businessman? I think I know your quotes. So if you don't use it, I'm definitely going to use it. But (laughs) what is one of your favorite quotes that you'd like to live by or some of the best advice you received? Man, there's there's so many. So (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I can go, I could go with, you know, I can definitely go with, um, you know, something along the lines of, you know, doing the impossible and things like that. But for me, I'm going to go with something that's kind of more near and dear to my heart that most people won't know. Um, it's, it's a quote from my uncle and my uncle got the quote from legendary coach John Wooden, um, which is failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And for me, I'm a very go with the flow type person. But in, in anything in life, if you want to be good at it, you have to prepare yourself for it. And if you fail to prepare yourself, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, and my uncle passed away um, a few years ago. And it's just something that's always stuck with me. Also, you know, just legendary John Wooden. I went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the best university in Southern California. <clears throat> <laughs> Let that slide. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So so I think I think that's the one I'm going to go with. I'm I'm actually curious to to hear the one that you have, uh, <laughs> because like I said, you've been killing it all all interview. You've had you know, everything on, on point. So I'm, 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 I'm going to sit back and listen. OK, so one of my favorite quotes is from J. Clark, the jumper. Okay. No one cares. We're Carter. <laughs> no, see, I was I was not expecting that one, and, and man, I, I love that. Um, I was actually gonna post. I was gonna post that on on. I'm still gonna post it on my Instagram later today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So like for me, with that one, especially with social media, mm-hmm. social media has kind of warped everyone's sense of reality that mm-hmm. they are the center of attention and that everybody's watching what they do. And I I fell victim to it to myself. And you know when COVID hit. I kind of had to look back and reflect on like, you know, what's important. Like I think everybody did, but kind of looked back and like reviewed their life and like saw where everything was and, and, and really just really put perspective on what, what I, where I was and what I, I love dunking. I love teaching. I love, I love everything that I do, but at the end of the day, no one cares. Like no one, no one cares that, you know, 
I'm, I'm a done. Like if I go out and break a world record and it goes on SportsCenter, it'll be on SportsCenter for like 30 seconds. Everyone's gonna be like, wow, that's cool. Hey, what are we doing for dinner tonight? You know, so it's like <laughs> it, it really put a lot of things in, in perspective. So it's like you don't be so into yourself if if people don't love you, um, if people don't, you know, if people hate you, if people really love you, regardless of, of how people feel about you, you know, no one cares. All you can do is work as hard as you can to be the best version of yourself. So, yeah, I, I love that one. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. And, you Thank know, you. I I got all this ability to interview from going to the best university in the world, which is USC. So, you know, I, <laughs> this is a U.S. This is, this is this is uncharted territory, having Trojans and Bruins together yeah. in one place yep. and having a very productive conversation. But I do want to thank you so much for your time. Jaycock the Jumper, you can follow him on all his social media platforms. Let's grow his numbers so that he can add some more revenue to the family. <laughs> but we do appreciate your time. And like he says, no one cares. Work harder. Definitely. There it is. Thank you to everyone for listening to Sportsish. I'm your host, Elisa Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at eHernandezTV and on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA. And make sure you follow Jonathan Clark at jclarkthejumper on all his social media platforms. He's going on a big road trip, so we have to support him. All my Sportsish listeners, make sure you guys check him out. And don't forget to subscribe, comment, share us on social media because Sportsish will be back with another episode every Tuesday. So before I go out, here is the latest track from an artist right here in LA, K Brown official underscore on Instagram with his latest song, City Celeb. I remember coming up, rolling 30 deep. Everybody showing love when the shit sweet. Everybody had a goal, now it's just me. But I would trade for past times in a heartbeat. Bad chicks beating the trunk with 12 sick gang shit. Speak on the click, we bust lips, smoke piff. Along with the light in the dark lick. Bust submissions with the homies from dust till dawn hits. We was on it, vividly cherishing every moment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.